0: January 30th, 2024. I'd like to uh, tonight uh, discuss with you, it's called The Written Words of Halakha, it's number eight. If you haven't been present or listened to the first seven, rest assured you're okay. The basic premise of this series of classes is the following. Happens to be a philosophical thought, but I've found it to be very applicable in the world of halakha as well, maybe even more so than you'll find it in other worlds or realms of thought, and it goes like this. The intent of an initial author, a writer of halakha, of law, is oftentimes not as significant as the interpretation of that person's words. And what I mean by that is, uh, to give you, you know, just an extreme example, um, so to speak, if I were to write something and then publish it, my written words speak in a way that you and you understand it which is much louder than if I were to then say, but that's not what I meant. In other words, the halakha has been, and generally speaking, is determined by the written words of halakha, and not so much by the spoken words of halakha. Uh, So I'd like to, for a few moments together, uh, develop that thought a little bit further, but just to, to kind of give it color from the onset, There are a lot of famous stories with regards to the words of Harambam. Uh, A lot of stories from a lot of different rabbis from all stripes and colors and worlds that they've given interpretations to the words of Harambam and been told, you should know, he himself explained his words in Mishneh Torah uh, in a letter uh, to someone else. And they don't accord with your interpretation. To which the person who gave that explanation said, so what? my interpretation is just as valid and not as if they were just saying this in a theoretical sense or in a class with some sort of theory but halachically speaking they would determine law based on that which sounds ridiculous if you're thinking about this from a strictly rational perspective but it's not what haram bam meant but alternatively if we have to just reorient ourselves with regards to how thought and maybe more specifically jewish thought at least for our purposes in these classes works is such that the interpretation of written words, once put into, uh, from ink onto paper, uh, take on, so to speak, a life of their own. So that's really what I'd like to talk about tonight. I'd specifically want to focus on two works, or two rabbis and their works, and uh, try to color how I believe that their written words have lives that are more enduring, so to speak, than they themselves or their own thought. The first is Shulchan Aruch, and the second is Mishnah Birura. And the first is Shulchan Aruch, was inspired by an article that someone shared with me just a few weeks ago. It was written in one of the recent Chakira um, journals, and it was basically maybe 8 to 10 pages, somewhat comprehensive, dealing with the following question, and that is, was Shulchan Aruch, the book written by Rabbi Yosef Karo in the 16th century, Tzifat, supposed to be... A book of halacha determination? Or alternatively, was it just supposed to be a supplement to his book, Bet Yosef? What do I mean by that? He wrote Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, as a commentary on Tur. Um, it's not really interpreting, per se, the words of Tur, generally speaking. It's giving his own explanation and elaboration on many halachot. That's where he delves into the Halakha with regards to all sorts of situations and circumstances he then wrote Shulhanaruch for what purpose was Shulchan Aruch ever supposed to be used as a book to determine law from or was it just supposed to be for example a compilation. a compilation for memorization a compilation for review okay. a compilation for training uh, so it's an interesting question it, in my opinion, and Itai will tell me I'm very consistent on this. He told me this a few weeks ago when I made the same statement. In my opinion, it makes no difference what Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo wanted. It makes a difference what we have done over the course of the last 450, years with regards to his words. How have the words of Shohan Aruch been treated? In other words, have they been treated in, and I'll be very clear on this, a way in which... If I know what his true opinion was, I will only rule based on that. Even though I could understand his words in Shulchan Aruch differently, or alternatively, do we go and I open Shulchan Aruch and I can interpret these words, so to speak, in a vacuum without taking into account how he explained them separately? Do you follow? How, how it sounds my, like two different things. You set up first the question of whether how he, whether
1: it's in his intent or not, but is it you know a book of psa or
0: rote memorization, or, or... Right, c- so you know, I'm, no taking, right. I'm taking, I'm taking it... Versus his intent, that those are... Uh, right, no, so this article was dealing with his intent. Got you. I'm dealing, I'm, so my I'm comment is, doesn't matter what his intent was. I want to know now how have we dealt with it. That's what I'm saying, right. I'm inspired by there's that. There's really
2: three things. There's, there's his intent, there's his opinion... Which may be different than his intent, and then there's his writing.
0: True, uh, there's three separate things. Right. There's two ways of, of handling it, though, and when it comes to specifically, this is what I'd like to. The first thing I'd like to point out when it comes to Shulchan Aruch, in contrast to someone like Harambam, this issue is so much more magnified with regards to how extreme it'll be to open up Shulchan Aruch and interpret it independent of. Well, quote unquote what his true thought was. Why do I say that? Because whereas Harambam purposefully wrote his book without sourcing it, purposefully wrote his book by very much hiding all the backdrop and all the everything that went into it, just gave you the raw data and allowed for you, even encouraged you to interpret his words. But he told me
3: anything else. A hundred compiling But in the scheme of
0: things, Jack. In the scheme of things, once you have his book, his book is an invitation to interpret. It's very much open to that because you can't stop and say, "But wait a second, what was his true intent?" Here and there, you'll find a teshubah or two. If, if he told us, I, I'm says contrasting this in no, 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 introduction. I got hundred percent. I'm contrasting it to Shohanaruch, Where? He spells out, he gives you all the underwriting for what he's going to write in Shulchan Aruch. And now you're going to have the audacity to open Shulchan Aruch and interpret it independent of what he wrote in introduction. Who? Rabbi Yosef Karo. Sorry, so it's source me. number one. Hakdama le <laughs> So source number one is Rabbi Yosef Karo's introduction to Shohan Now, in this introduction, he first and foremost, of course, mm-hmm. is thankful as he and we should be to HaKadosh Baruch He then continues and describes what he's doing in this book. Uh, ultimately speaking, the more famous part of his introduction is where he tells you, tells us, how he determined the Pesakalacha, how are you with just a whole large collection of poskim going to determine the bottom line. But in the meantime, before getting to that, in these two-second paragraphs... Let me ask you a
1: different re- question. Before, usually, there's a demand and supply in economics, Usually when somebody's going to write such a complete um, project, there must have been a demand for it because there was a gap or a vacuum and there was a demand for it. So here he's writing for his audience or he's writing it.
0: It's an interesting question, Uh, it's an interesting question. I don't know that he per se reveals that to us, in other words, why he's uh, putting this together. He very much does make clear that this is being written at a time during which there's a dispersed communal feeling. Uh, People have been expelled from Spain, there are people from all over the world collected in Israel and in other places, communal norms and customs which were once natural are lost. And as a result, he's writing this book. But, significantly for us, he now explains to us why he's writing this book, even though he already wrote Beit Yosef. Again, Beit Yosef was his in-depth, full accounting of halacha, how he got there, what the different opinions are. So what's the necessity of shohan aruch? He writes, (laughs) Ra'iti ani belibi kitob my purpose in Shohanauch in this succinct and brief law uh, collection is so that it's easy to speak and to know the law. I want to give you a shortcut to it Kika She. ישאלו לתלמיד חכם דבר הלכה loy gamgamga y gamgam ba isadinga gemarama sahet uh, Kiddushin, uh, the Gemara says that you're supposed to be able to respond and know the law without stuttering. That's, that's, says Rabbi Yosef Karol, that's why I'm writing Shohan Aruch. So you have a shortcut and have a way of easily remembering, uh, having uh, your finger on the law at all times. Elo yomar and so on and so forth. And he continues and he says, and for that reason I've split... Or I intend on splitting Shulchan Aruch into thirty separate portions, so that and this is a well-known facet that Rabbi Yosef Karo had in mind. So that you can review the words of Shulchan Aruch over the course of a month. Everything I've written, and you will, as a result, know it all. If you're to summarize this first, uh, sugge- this first proposed reasoning for. Shohanaruch, Yosef is very clearly saying the real goods are in Beit Yosef this is just so you remember it this is just so you review it every month this is just I know it's going to be cumbersome and difficult going through everything I wrote in Beit Yosef but that's the real that's the real deal like that's the where you Yosef p- is the pill pool. this is the bottom line but but more significantly yes 100% more significantly you want to actually know Halakha you want to actually determine Halakha open Beit Yosef
2: so where does he even reference
0: Bet Yosef? In his initial paragraph. In his initial paragraph, right, he describes how he wrote Bet Yosef. He describes exactly what he did in Bet Yosef, and then he tells you why he's doing Shohan Aruch as well. His second reason is no no better in terms of giving credence and uh, you know strength to Shohan Aruch. He says, My other reason, my other rationale, is that when you're a child and you're young, you're still not ready for the full in-depth approach to halakha. As a result, start with shohanaruch. Know it really well. Uh, Know it, so to speak, like mishnayot. Be able to uh, repeat all its words. Then when you get older, you'll actually understand them. But this is all a mechanism so that you remember and know the halakha. This is not a way to determine halakha. Mm -hmm. That seems very clear with regards to again itai. The proposed notion or direction of Rabbi Yosef Karo in composing Shulchan Aruch was that none of us open it up to determine law. That was not the objective. It seems somewhat clear. So much so that Sima in source number two—that's a Sefer uh, Meirat Einaim, its the major commentary on Hoshen Mishpat. In his introduction, he's a Polish seventeenth-century important commentary to Hoshen Mishpat. He says, "I'll tell you why I'm writing my commentary because I didn't find a sufficient." Um, collection of law anywhere. He writes the, initially, it's not on here, what his problems with Bet Yosef are. <laughs> and then he says the truth is, Gam Maharik, Yosef Umuram, that's <laughs> I looked into this collection as well. And I thought maybe that would be sufficient for determining law. <laughs> The truth is, they had the right intention. I understand why they wrote their books. However, those who look into it, they're blinded. People who learn Shulchan don't understand properly what to do with it. Ki haya Their intention, Rama and Rabbi Yosef Karo, Shulchan Aruch and the Hagahot, was that nobody learned the law and determined the law from Shulchan That was never, you weren't supposed to have it on your shelf for determining law. The whole purpose of Shohan Aruch was for a memory jogger. It was supposed to help you with it. Sima goes on and is very, not a little, very critical of those who determine law based on Shohan Aruch. It's a fascinating statement. However, his claim is very much in line with the express purpose of Shohan Aruch.
3: Same thing.
0: Similar in that respect, um, maybe it's
3: written in very short form yeah, because you, know, you, have to, you have to have to learn like so that you yeah.
0: remember it, and you're not Correct. supposed to. So, so to a it's certain extent, history. we have a, we have an analogy yeah. in this respect. I just don't know that you follow through the history with Mishnayot that you have people actually determining law from Mishnayot. Yeah. It's in that Gemara Masech Berachot actually, which says don't determine law from Mishnayot, mm-hmm. That famously Maharsha in his commentary says you should know. There's a book recently published. It's called Shohanaruch, and those who determine law. It's like they're determining law from the Mishnayot for the same type of reason. Again, more than anything in my mind, what's being painted in the initial stages I'm trying to uh, is, is the following, is that the expressed purpose of Shulchan Aruch was that you not open it and read it independent of Beit Yosef. You could use it, you could determine law based on it, but make certain that that aligns at the very least with the le- words of Beit Yosef. It's a very significant point. It's, it means that everything that I've discussed until now in the introduction of the written words of Halakha was supposed to be closed off in Shohan Aluch. You weren't supposed to do this. Rabbi Yosef Karo says, don't do this. Sema says, those who do this are, he has very strong wording. He says, they're mahrive olams, those who are destroying the world. Furthermore, the famous statement of maharal, these are all the famous statements with regards to those who use Shulchan Aruch as a law book. maharal, that's uh, uh, very important, of course, for Jack important because he believes he created a golem but anyway Maharal of Prague writes in in a in a in a very well known statement that nobody should determine law based on Shohanaruch. you have to understand this is all in the generation shortly after Shohanaruch. so they're all reacting and there's a very sh- visceral negative reaction to Shohanaruch. he says the way law is supposed to be determined so- Longer, very important conversation is independently. You're supposed to open up the books and determine the law. You're not supposed to get a shortcut and you might say, but who am I? I'm going to make a mistake if I try to determine the law. So go with that. And it's not a mistake, but it is a mistake. I may have misunderstood something, but that's your honest and authentic determination. That's how halakha works. It's a, it's a fascinating statement. But again, he as well, Bars us from looking at Shulchan Aruch as a book written, as, call it the name of the class, as written words of Halakha. Shulchan Aruch was never supposed to be written words of Halakha. It's supposed to be written words of memory. It's supposed to be, for maharal written words of do away with it. It's not supposed to be something that we detach from the intention from the express purpose and reasoning of Rabbi Yosef Karo himself. So much so, just following this through to a very favorite article of mine, just written written maybe some 10, 15 years ago by Professor Chaim Salvechik. In this article, it doesn't matter the context, we've discussed on another occasion, Professor Chaim Salavechik, that's the son of the famous Rabbi Salavechik, my father's rabbi, who's uh, still still alive, um, a, a very fascinating individual at that. Uh, he, uh, the name of the article is Mishneh Torah, Polemic and Art. And this is the part we're going to focus most on art. He describes Mishneh Torah of Harambam as being an, a work of art in contrast to Shulchan Aruch. And he makes very clear, I'm not putting down Shulchan Aruch, I'm just explaining it's not art. How so? What's different between Shulchan Aruch and Harambam's Mishneh Torah? Now, my introduction to this is everything we said until now, and that is that they are qualitatively different by means of the way they were put together. Rabbi Yosef Karo told you his intent, Harambam did not. Everything we're about to read is based on that, even though he doesn't spell this out explicitly. Harambam... Right words. You're talking about his intention. I'm talking about he wrote. What was the intention when he had that extra word over there? What was that uh, Mm shin over there? I never told you what he meant with that. Before he meant it as a halakha book. The Rambam. He meant it as a written word. He he, he
3: explicitly uh, said this is all you need. So we want to be more right, back. You, come you, the words. you don't have to Bet yourself for the
0: round. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't have for Halam Bam his cheat book. You mm-hmm. don't have his mind. You don't have, you don't have, have a too. bet, Yosef. That's right. So that being the case, that's already. I mean, uh, you don't need to go further than we can read his words because they're because they're beautiful, Professor Chaim Salavitch. But I can already tell you, I'm I'm stealing from his final words. If you were to come and look at Leonardo da Vinci's uh, Mona Lisa and there was on the side his full description as what he meant and what it all, that's not really art. Art is, by definition, the expression, it's not written words, it's maybe drawn words over there, but that's a work of art, uh, painted words, uh, That's a painted image, uh, which you are supposed to, uh, of course, based on context, you can't say that it's it's a depiction of a dinosaur, it's it's clearly a woman, but we're supposed to look into the eyes and try to understand. It's supposed to be open to interpretation. That's a work of art. Uh, something else. Law, generally speaking, is his claim. When you're dealing with legal documents, they can be open to disagreement. They could be open to deepening the issue more, looking into it more. To interpretation, generally speaking, his claim is. Not so much open to interpretation. You want to know why? Because he told you what he means already. That's that's my addition to this. But listen to the way he writes it. says, let us turn to a page of any widely used edition of the Shulchan Aruch. For example, the massive Lemberg edition or of, of Orachayim or the famed Vilna one of Yoredea. De'a. Like gives you examples of early editions of Shulchan Aruch. The classic commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, the Taz, Rabbi David Segel, Shach, Magin Abraham, do explain the words of Shulchan Aruch. They clarify obscurities, disagree with some rulings, and add some new ones. Subsequent commentators. Almost invariably discuss new cases, real or hypothetical. So, what, what do you find in the commentaries to Shohan Aruch? You have applications, you have some clarifying. You don't have interpretations. You don't. I'm getting ahead of myself. When confronted with a halachic question, one seeks the section Shulchan Aruch where the general topic is discussed and hopes that the case at bar is treated, if not in the code itself, then in the commentators. Put differently, after the text of Shulchan Aruch is clarified, and that was done within some seventy or eighty years of its publication, the subsequent commentarial literature is centrifugal. It does not move towards the text of the Shulchan Aruch, focusing on understanding its formulations, elucidating in greater detail detail the nuances of its position, but moves away from the text to address new allied cases. The claim of Professor Chaim Salvechik, and in lieu, in light of what we discussed, makes a lot of sense. Shulchan Aruch, once you determined what he means, anything you're going to write, anything you're going to discuss is about how to apply it. You're no longer dealing with this as you would with a painting. what did it what does it mean to you? How does it inspire you what what's that what what what's the deeper meaning of this That's done again I'm adding to this even though he doesn't write it. Because he wrote a Bet Yosef, moreover. He told us what he meant with it. He, moreover, told us, you're not supposed to be doing that. The reverse holds true of Mishneh Torah, its commentarial literature is centripetal. For centuries after centuries, writers have focused on decoding the meaning of Maimonides' words. Indeed, while there exists a vast commentarial literature on it, there's no super-commentarial literature as there is on Shohanaruch. What he means by this is the following. If you open to a page of Shohan Aruch, You'll find on the page, well, let's talk about uh, Orachayim for a second. You'll find on the page, on one side of Shohan Aruch, Magin Abraham, on the other side, Taz. These are two very important rabbis who lived some 300 years ago. Then on the other side of the page, there's uh, what's called Perim Megadim. Perim Megadim is a commentary on Taz and Magin Abraham. as we call super commentary. He says, you'll find such things on Shohan Aruch. You want to know why? Because the initial commentaries are you know, setting forth things, and then you're having commentaries on them to deepen and further the law. You won't find any such thing with Harambam. You wanna know why? Because everything in Harambam is about interpreting his words. It's about trying to understand and depict what was his intention, how do you envision it? That's not what commentary on Shulchan Aruch exists says. That's not the focus of Shulchan Aruch, is his claim. If, however, your focus is on the words of Maimonides, if your goal is plumbing his meaning, it would be silly to do so in the form of commentary on someone else's writings, such as the authors of Kesef Mishneh and Magid Mishneh. You won't find commentaries on them. Uh, They're... Telling you their vision, put differently, the Shulchan Aruch has functioned for centuries as a springboard for discussions of other matters. It has served as a base for accreted generational layers of new cases and rulings. Indeed, it is largely this flexibility, this openness to expansion, this ability to serve as a substructure of something larger than its original self, that ensured the work's success. Mishneh Torah, on the other hand, has commanded the attention of scholars for 800 years and has sucked into its vortex nearly everyone who has sat down to write on it. So again, and then he concludes concludes with the example I gave you, of the Mona Lisa, right? If you listen to this, it constitutes an end in and of itself and resists any attempt to turn it into a means to have it serve as that You can take the Mona Lisa or you can leave it. But you can't turn it into something other than what it is or use it as an instrument to attain some other artistic goal. You could write a commentary on Shulchan Aruch and you could say, this is what he says and here's how I pl- apply it to 21st century uh, uh, situations. On Harambam, that's not what you're doing. Uh, you 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 can write something on harambam to explain what his words mean you're not going to base a book on harambam into determining well how do i apply that to today's day and age because commentary is that <laughs> he does, in, like a footnote, he does haram haram. in a footnote. He does in a footnote, Professor Chaim Salvechkin, you're, you're, you're more right than you realize. <laughs> Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo in his introduction to Bet Yosef says, I thought I would write my commentary on Haram <laughs> He even was planning well, so on rela- doing I mean, it. And the relationship between the Kesef Mishnah and, and... Is uh, similar in that respect, but it's not the same way. It's ultimately speaking, it's seeking sourcing for Haram right. It's not so much a development... But the question is how,
3: right, so he does that work, right? And how does that relate to Yitzchak Yosef? And then when he takes again
0: eighty percent of Shulchan Aruch, can from read, Haram From Bam. Haram, like, Agreed. Agreed. There, there the, is the, a partic- particular particular irony yeah. points out Itai. But that that's a footnote in the article. Do you agree with to, this, with regards this position? No this but class I mean, this class will be to explain how i don't i, I do believe there's a lot of truth to what he's saying when you learn
3: mishneh torah do you feel it's not a definitive oh in
0: mishneh torah no. absolutely mishneh Tora, torah you agree the limud of mishneh torah is yeah, yeah i i very much identify with that that's I what i refer to <laughs> as the written words of halakha the limud in mishneh torah is we're all grappling with creative interpretations to the words in front of us <laughs>
3: Give me an example, so I can understand clearly. Well, I'm
0: going to give you a few examples from yeah. Shohana Ruch. So i I'm, Aruch, I'm because I'm, that's the part I don't agree with per se. Whereas, Professor Chaim Salvechik is building this contrast between Shulchan and Mishneh Torah, whereas for him, and we know the intention of Shulchan Aruch, is a book which is set you're not going to waste your time turning to what's his intention, how can I interpret it? No, no, that's already been spelled out. Or maybe in the first 70, 80 years of it, a Mishneh Torah is continuously, uh, we are always interpreting, everything that's written on Mishneh Torah is written in that fashion. By the way, there is another exception to a certain Chacham of Radia Yosef in his Maor Israel to a certain extent took in his Tabata Melech took Karambam and built, built his own type of stuff. So there is interesting, so to your point, Jack, maybe there is. Maybe it Yosef Karo, maybe Hacham Vadya. But generally speaking, I'm suggesting that even Shohan Aruch, the irony is, whereas his vision, his perspective was, read my bit, Yosef. I'll tell you what I mean. Don't waste your time on trying to interpret. Don't take my words and envision them as something that you can interpret and extrapolate laws that I never intended to mean that is not the way history generally, not always, has treated it. I want to just give a few examples of such. Just read these next three sources with me, four, five, and six. The first two are written by a well-known rabbi, his name is Aruch HaShohan. I'm not giving you context. It's not necessary context. And the th- that's, source number six is written by, he's known as the Gadol of Minsk, in Sheilot, Teshubot, or Gadol. Listen to the words of Aruch HaShohan here in Siman Yod and then Siman Ayin Aleph. Again, without... Taking into account what he's talking about. It's not necessary. He writes, My interpretation that I just set forth, you can write, you can explain in Shohanaruch. One second. He's telling you, if you open the book, it seems that's not what he means. You want to know why? If you open the case of Mishneh, it's commentary to Aram Bab. He tells you what he believes. But I think that my interpretation we can read into Shohanaruch he's set, he's stating over so, here that you it's a on well. the
1: scales
3: using using the arkhishofan
0: no 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 i, I he's I'm, I'm so going. willing to like come up with 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 strain shazim and everything in order to justify things i, I He's not my it's, only. It's, it's, no, it's, 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 I, he, he won't be. He's far from my He might only. be an exception. I'm sure he's not an exception. exception, <laughs> but like he's the wrong person to try to prove it. Okay, condition. understood. I Maybe won't like any of the examples. <laughs> uh, I don't again in source number five. Even though in Bet Yosef, his great book, he didn't say this. I'll tell you, this is what he maybe, quote unquote, with a wink meant in Shohana. But he didn't mean that. I'm going to interpret it as such. And in sheilotus orgadol. Similarly, in addition to I imagine, I don't remember uh, off the uh, um, you know uh, off the top of my head many others, but I do know there are a good amount of others that have been collected who have such an expression. Even though Aruch told us what he meant, we can interpret his words differently. The truth is, even Chachamovad I've quoted this on many occasions. It's in a different context and a different situation, but he does, he is fond in more than one case of quoting from Rabbi Jonas Eibshitz in his book Urim V'tumim, who writes that Shohan Aruch, and you have to understand what he means with this, at least in my opinion, was written beruah Hakodesh. It was written with an elevated level of understanding, which means, which means that for our purposes, his words, so to speak, Tanakh. Are on the level almost of I can interpret them independent of what he believed. There is a well-known passage in Magid Me'Sharim. That's Rabbi Yosef Karo's writings with regards. Of course, of course, I'm sure you're back in it. In which he's talking about. Doesn't matter what he's talking about. But uh, the, 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 Magid? Ma, the, Magid, the Magid, this angelic being, mm-hmm. tells him you should know God disagreed with that approach. But it's a beautiful one. He got a lot of Hana'a in it, so make certain that you write it in your bet Yosef. Now it's a jarring statement. You're talking about a legal work. You're talking about a halakha book. You're talking... Uh, that's the statement. Again, what it all means in the scheme of things with my... Uh, not my issue. My issue is to suggest and to point out we're already seeing, and maybe maybe all the examples won't be sufficient, but it is to say and to be clear that Shulchan has been used and is continuously used as a halakha book, as a written words of halakha, which can be interpreted independent of the author's intent. And we know the author's intent. It's not as if it's conjecture, if he were to come and tell us, of course, the well-known Gemara in Masechet Menachot, where B'akiva, this is often misunderstood. I don't want to take a stab at it right now, but I do want to remind you of it for appreciating this concept of written words of halakha The irony, the paradox of Rabbi Akiva teaching a class which Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't understand until Moshe feels settled when he hears that it's halacha Moshe misinai. But he didn't understand it. How could that have been his? Unless it's something along these lines, so to speak, this is the tradition. These are the words. The interpretation is true, independent, so to speak, of what Moshe thought. That's what those words, Ruach HaKodesh, to a certain extent, mean as well. When you attribute to it Ruach HaKodesh, you're kind, of, and many philosophers would say every writing, so to speak, has this characterization of Ruach HaKodesh. My suggestion is that historically that's the way Halakha has endured. That's, you yeah, back to you for a moment, Jack, you said Mishneh Torah was written, this is another class, another written words of Halakha, oh no, it was a different class of continuing the oral tradition, 1, 2 or 25. Um, in that one of those classes I pointed out that there's interesting realities, one of them being Harambam's work, he says, I'm Going to close everything no more no more doubts no more anything can you believe it it's the single most uh, commentated upon uh, book on halakha uh, very clearly didn't close the conversation on anything there's a continued dialogue always so this 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 initial writing in which it's almost as if i can imagine this is closed the author's intention was set forth I was always always open to continued conversation. Don't you
3: think that that's art? Because I don't see a contradiction. Yes. I actually agree with I'm talking yeah. Shulchan Aruch. Because in my mind, we're using the wrong terminology. It's not a legal book. It's a halakha. Halakha is never legal. It's not
0: Jack do this or that. So, so you don't need the class. Way. So you don't need the class. Okay. However, Rabbi Yosef Karo did not envision it the way you're speaking. He was telling us that my book is to be read Mm -hmm. as a review of what I told you in Beit Yosef. No need for interpretation, I interpreted it.
3: But I'm going back to what you said. You're with me. they're saying it's with Ruach HaKodesh and the Maggit said, that's the art.
0: I understand. that Everything you're articulating, everything you speak out is is my direction here. Is to say that even the Fesach Haim Salvechik legal book as opposed to art book is also historically interpreted as a work of art. Historically right. seen as written words of halakha, not just words of halakha from what or legal us stuff. From everything I know, sure, it's, sure. there's no legality yeah, sure, there sure. it's, there's Everything is sure. in the way. Absolutely. It's all so, part of the way. In the introduction <laughs> I mean, of Bihaima mean, of, I mean, of I mean, too. I mean, in any uh,
1: issues of halakha, there's going to be unknowns that I haven't,
0: in sure, not what I'm addressing now. What I'm addressing so, now no. is there's known words in Shohala. You're talking about something else. You're talking, All right, okay, we have electricity in the no, 20th no, no, century. No, How do we apply it? it? Exactly. I'm talking about it. he wrote his words. He told me what I need to be thinking in Kiriachima. Shema. However, you can interpret his words one way, I can interpret another way. Guess what, he told us what he meant in Beit Yosef. Do I need to open up Beit Yosef and determine bottom line based on that, or can I use, obviously I'm gonna to need to be well-grounded in sourcing in Talmud and Poskim to make my claim, but can I use other sources and use his words as a basis as well, or as grounds for determining the law, without yeah. Bet Yosef, or in contrast to Bet, Bet Yosef. Bet. So again, we just saw three who made the claim that you can In the introduction of Rabbi Chaim Valajan to the commentary of Gaon Mi Vilna on Shohan Aruch, he too cries about and makes clear that is something too Mourn the fact that people just open <coughs> shochanaruch, and specifically he says we were taught from our master Gaon Mivilna, an important 18th century, uh, somewhat Lithuanian rabbi, um, and and and. You know, historic figure, we were taught that we don't just learn Shulchan Aruch. We were taught that we look into the sources. We were taught that everything and anything that we determine in terms of law needs to be grounded in traditional sources other than Shulchan Aruch. Therefore, he writes, our master, Gaon Mivilna, if you read his commentary to Shulchan Aruch, is always sourcing the words of Shulchan Aruch. That taken in a vacuum is somewhat innocuous. <laughs> All he's telling us is don't just read Shohanaruch, understand his sourcing. What I'd like to suggest is that underlying that and we'll we'll, we'll see this in just a moment, underlying that is the following notion: Shohanaruch is a good book for adding to your halachic words. Your determination ultimately speaking, can take into account his words, but his words will be part of something larger because the larger picture is all the other words that you're going to be reading and interpreting, just add his words to it. They won't have any validity, any strength to what his intention was, Beyond what his words are read as, he says. <coughs> in source number seven, two lines from the bottom. Uh, <coughs> he says uh, that's an amazing statement as well. Generally speaking, the midrash says that any word that was said to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai, any question that in the future a student will ask the rabbi was stated to Moshe at Har Sinai. What are his words? You'll find the answer to any. Question that any student has in the course of future and history in the words of Talmud. Oh, it's an amazing thing. So he he turned you know Talmud into the Ruach Hakodesh. The Sadikim Yadachu bi-Yosheh dar kam lihiot aikar horatam min hashas. The Limmud Hashochan Aruch. Here's the key words. Hu lahem le Lizkor Do you follow what he just said about Shohan Aruch? He says, Shulchan Aruch, yeah, wow, darn, tr- darn right it's going to be a, m- a memory device, <laughs> as, <laughs> as <laughs> Shulchan Aruch discussion. says. But it's going to be, but again, it's going to be a cliff note to your discussion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn Talmud, and then I'll open Shulchan Aruch, and that'll be a way for me to remember what my bottom line was. No, no, Shulchan Aruch is supposed to be something that reminds you of what Rabbi Yosef Karo told you. Not the way. Not yeah, the vision no that he had. learns that way. So I
3: don't understand the point. I mean, when you go to yeshiva, when you went to yeshiva in Mir, nobody learned that way. Just shochararo.
0: You learned the post the, 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 the question. The question is. The question is. I, I mean, I, I will just be very clear with you about about the following. If you open up to ninety nine percent of the piskeh of someone like or Avadia Yosef, they will be adamant about the fact that. Anything that's in Aruch must be interpreted by Beit Yosef. Of course I'm taking into account other matters, mm-hmm. but it must align with Beit Yosef. Very clearly, he adheres to the intention of Beyosef Yosef. Because Beit Yosef has sources. That's right. Ah, 100%. Okay, so that's what I'm, saying, I'm saying
2: nobody You're saying this
0: that, way. what he's bemoaning? I, I understand. Yeah. It's unfortunately not really true. You're saying anyone who really studies. Uh, right. Agreed. Uh, but... But in this, respect, you know, to, to the extent that there is in Shailot, Shvotei Abiyom, in Chilek Zayin, and maybe Simon kaftet he has a disagreement I recently saw with uh, with his contemporary, with Hambenziyona Basha'ul. They're talking about a specific issue on Shabbat. Hambenziyona Basha'ul is interpreting the words of Harambam. And he's interpreting the words of Harambam differently than Rabbi Yosef Karo does in Bet Yosef. And based on his analysis of Harambam, coupling with some other things, he has a, determ- a decision which runs counter to Shahan HaLuch. Kamvaday Yosef kills him for that. Said, How dare you? We don't go against the interpretations of Shohan Aruch and definitely not against the Piskehalacha. So you're right, in coming to a determination, he's going to look into other sources and he's going to test things and etc. But fundamentally, whether it always plays out this way, Shuhan Aruch and his intention are going to be the bottom line for someone like Haham Avadia Yosef. Well maybe right, that was found?
3: an ulterior motive there to make that the book. Could that, be that we could be follow. his
0: stated. Objective is to bring us back to the intention of Shahana. So, and that's what Shah Allah is supposed so to do. there
1: is a standard on that protocol. That you can veer
0: off. I, I don't understand.
1: Okay. Exactly. So, so the, the, the
0: rabbi veered off on the on the protocol
1: and how yeah, brought it back. Said, okay. So when you, did you it become that? nobody can right. go off Understood. the line So what Maurice
0: is pointing out is that Hacham HaVadah Yosef builds security. So but he also. from him? But he also, let me just point out, he also makes things a little static. It means that there's little room within the world of Shohan Aruch, for example, and much of, for interpretation. There's, there's room or for application.
1: H-R- or re- redefinition.
0: Okay. Um, call it redefinition. The point is, the challenge of a Posek will, generally speaking, be for application. Not for interpretation or reinterpretation. Yeah, re-interpretation. But when did
3: that happen? Because of pre I think there's this been
0: this wasn't I think there's reality. been no I think I think there's been for a long time this Banish talk.
3: He was using Aruch as a basis. It depends.
0: It depends. No.
3: I, I, these Look, are the major poskim, right? So what uh, did they great. use? It,
0: it, it, it's an important question. You'd have to build a case for each of them. Okay. And you could make claims in each of them that there are times, and I, I get you want me to do more research mm-hmm. on this, but there are times that you can find in most, if not all, of the traditional poskim that they did not to the extent of... I mean, did the they, they al- jive
3: with it because of it? They or, were certainly... Were
0: like was certain, like, maybe dogmatic about it. This is the book and so I, I want were, everybody to So follow they me. were certainly less so. Okay. They were certainly less so. Uh, but, uh, okay, You're, now, can in I, terms can I repeat
1: of... repeat something that I said months ago? You say it right after the Shema.
0: what do you say? The, <speaking in Hebrew> right. Okay, now, so again, now, so he's suggesting that Haham Vadya Yosef built... A, a strength and a solidity beyond, beyond the to it. What, yeah. What you're saying so, but but again, Torah, but yeah. Sorry. That don't.
1: All the interpretation of the and to make became now It's from Hog from right. the Torah, and you can't right. move it for any reason. But
3: I I I find this all doesn't really drive, and I feel like the way that we interpret or the way that human nature the way that we grow and live, is that we always will interpret it based on what we want, right? The the person who's interpreting, has an intent, will interpret it based on what their goal is, and try to drive their goal. The difference only was, is that maybe we didn't have the book beforehand, we didn't have the rules, we didn't have the constitution to interpret, right? So beforehand, we just gave our own pieces of, of knowledge. But once we had this book, every person that came along and built along after with their own intent tried to interpret it the way they wanted with their goals right so i think that i mean i understand that where maybe Yosef was saying that you know you have to look at his intent or you have to look at the way it was i think that the way the human nature takes the course of halacha, the course of just well, I, I imagine you the find this in
0: American law a lot. Yeah, right? it's, just, words, it's the, based, it's the no intention based, is Who not, cares what they intended? Right. We're here today. So, so, we're the, so the natural. It the way we want. What I found is the knee jerk response, generally speaking, of people when it comes to something like halakha, is to envision it differently. For good reason. In other words, when, when a person says, but we're dealing with divar Hashem, we're dealing with divine law in that situation it gets more uh, the, there's a lot more nerves in suggesting as you're suggesting uh, as as we're suggesting mm-hmm. that written words can take on a life independent of the intention of the initial writer and 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 jurist um, but i agree with you it's it's the further
3: rabbis decide uh, but i'm i'm going to go a
0: step i'm going to go a step further uh, or, or maybe this is exactly what you're saying as well it also and in my opinion was purposed to be so it also um, uh, ensures the continuity of the law. In other words, the fact that you can and will, now again, it needs to stay within a structure. You can't suggest that the Mona Lisa is a dinosaur. You can't do that, right? That's, That's breaking out of this. But the fact that your interpretation in 2024 will be something that is relevant to all and you're interpreting it with your understanding of it and those words, that keeps that alive for our generation in ways that, if we got stuck in the intention back then, might make it less, make it make it a lot more arcane. But you can't go right.
3: against Johan Ruch.
0: Again, if right. uh, let me be clear about this, you're not. You can't say that the Mona Lisa is a giraffe. You right. can right. say that the Mona Lisa is looking this way with that. You know, with oh. that. that those right. are, <laughs> but his
3: original intent was not to create what he created.
0: That is correct. Right. That is the irony here, right? right? right. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm suggesting, you oh, don't whereas, want to create a law. Whereas a I'm hand suggesting hand whether rightfully or not that Harambam was open to this by not providing sourcing for us by not giving us his underwritten text. Shohan Ruchrbi Yosef Karo is very clear. It seems to me in his introduction, this is not what I wanted to right. be. It
3: wasn't the original But intention.
0: it didn't go that way, right. right? So whereas that article in Chakira, which talked about what was his intention this way or not to me is not significant it's what happened what happened and right. what happens right. now is it is a work of halakha it is a written word of halakha so to
1: my, my question and with the absence of a Beit Din quote the major Beit Din all the Rishonim and the Harunim have to stay on board in, in order for there should never be a situation where a law is struck down by
0: an opinion okay is
1: that is that what what's the protocol here what do you mean <coughs> in the absence
0: of sanhedrin, of sanhedrin we need sanhedrin, to keep within which, this system
1: so we have we have got some laws continuously mm-hmm. so that when the occasion comes up and question rises should we strike down this law or not we don't strike it down
0: Agreed. that's so,
1: striking striking down Roe versus weight will never happen in the Jewish that is correct
0: that is correct
1: because of the absence of the Beidin, right?
0: by and large by and large there are there are notable exceptions so, but by so and large
1: yeah. in Jerusalem and Pampadunsa
0: yeah yeah, never yeah with Israel. some notable so exceptions today, what are we so, down by are we so you have a lot
3: of rambamniks but at the end of the day, are we bound by So Shohana again,
0: Shohanaruch will sure. be Same and way. has been accepted as a significant, okay. as the significant okay. body of Halakha. Uh, but your interpretation, sure. your understanding of it must adhere to its words, not to uh, his intention. So let's take uh, an example. So, just give me a minute. Cause let me give Not a few, few examples. examples. Yeah. Let, me give, yeah. let me give a few examples. So, now uh, moving uh, just from the theoretical uh, initially, uh, I'd like to initially just deal with uh, in, uh, I call it uh, theory. And so, as number eight, I, I want to just give examples specifically in one, one context. That was my, that was my thought. I, I could have perhaps done this in different angles. I, I think it's the easiest way to, to depict this is from Siman Memzain and Shulchan Aruch. For the moment, we're just going to read Saif Yodalit. We'll read Saif Gimal and Saif Dalit uh, afterwards, but Saif Yodalit says, Shohanaruch writes that not only men, but women as well are to say the Birkota Torah. The Birkot Torah, two, according to some, three, but we usually, generally speaking, assume it's two. It's Hashem that shines to Tav Sivanu. Some of them say Al Divrei Torah. And then we have a beracha after that. VeHa'Ariv Melamid Torah LeAmo Israela, Hashem B'Harbanu. These are the berachot that we say every morning. These are berachot according to the simple interpretation, the Gemara Masech Barachot and Daf Kaf Aleph are biblical in, in nature. Gemara says, how do you know B'kot Torah Min the Torah? and Gemara quotes a Pasuk, is a significant barachot, even if we interpret that just as an asmachta, as Harambam seems to. now. Women are also obligated. There's a simple and glaring difficulty with this, and that is that the Gemara in Massechit Sotan, Daf Kaf, the Gemara Masechet Kiddushin, and Daf Lamed Aleph clearly in Daf Lamed spells out that women are exempt from the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Why are women then, not that they're not allowed to, why are women making the Biracha? On Talmud Torah, uh, the Berkotah Torah, blessings for the study of Torah, if they're exempt from the mitzvah, the obligation of studying Torah. Bet Yosef, Bet Yosef, here in source number nine, uh, writes in Saif, well, it's... Broken up in Saif Katani in Saif it's about six lines from the top. It says, mm-hmm. First interpretation of Shohan Aruch is that women maybe are supposed to not be studying Torah, but that's only on the oral side of Torah. On Torah Shbikhtav, maybe women are a part of it almost, if not entirely, as much as men. And it's for that that they make Berkot Torah. His first answer. His second answer, three lines from the top, two words for the end of the line. The second interpretation of Agur, again, this German important source, uh, is that the reason women are making Berkot Torah is on the reading of Korbanot in the prayer an amazing Yeridata Tadorot. Not only did men, but apparently women used to read Korbanot every morning. Um, anyway, it was for reading Korbanot. Uh, do they now? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what a wife you have. <laughs> ken, as a, and then his third interpretation uh, as well from Agur, because the last line here in the middle, third interpretation mm-hmm. is it's for the laws that they need to know themselves. Those are the three interpretations of Agur. That means to say that when Shohan Aruch in source number eight, in Siman mem in Yodalid wrote, women make Bercot if you were to say, hey, Rabbi Yosef Karo, could you tell me why? He would say to you one of three reasons. These are his three reasons. Now, if you are writing a commentary on Shulchan Aruch, in my opinion, again, this isn't going to affect per se law. It is going to affect theory. I don't think there's much conversation to be had. Why did he write in Saif Yodal that women make b'kotah Torah? I'll tell you why. He okay. wrote it because one of these three reasons. Gaon Mivilna says, ludicrous, nonsense. Women are exempt from Talmud Torah. Why would they make Birkotah Torah? That's his statement. He says, rather, why do they make the Birkotah Torah? Because I already told you in Siman Yod Zain that women can make Berachot even on mitzvot that they're not obligated in. Rama's opinion in two places, Rabbeinu Tam and Masechet Roshanan, Daflamit Gimal, his opinion elsewhere, his opinion is women can make beracha on mitzvot ta'aseh man on positive time about mitzvot, it says now this is the same idea. Here too, women, even if they're exempt from Talmud Torah, can make a beracha on it, you can make a berachah and say, Asher Kaddishan, we're talking about the entire nation, not me, myself, per se, and say that I'm that I'm making berachah in Talmud Torah. An amazing thing. Shohan Aruch's opinion is you can't make berachah and mitzvah ta'aseh shehazman if you're a woman. Gaon Mivilna's commentary over here is a meaningless commentary if his purpose is just to interpret the words of Shohan Aruch. He's clearly taking the words of Shohan Aruch saying hmm I like those words but I gotta tell you for a different reason. That's an amazing thing. That is not what we're expecting in a commentary to Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch told you his rationale. You don't like my rationale? Write your own halacha book. But Gaon Vilna writes a commentary on Shulchan Aruch, and much as his student, Bichayim of Valajan, told us he would do, he took Talmud. He determined, I do agree with that law. I'll even count Shulchan Aruch as a reputable hal- halachic source. Women should make be'kot Torah. Want to know why? Because Shulchan Aruch says so. Why does Shulchan Aruch say so? I'll tell you why I think so. But Is he really saying why does Shulchan... I see, I don't think no. he's saying... No, no he's not he's saying that. That's the he's point, not. right? He's saying, no. He's why not. why is no, the halakha this way? Because of this. 100%, he's right about the halacha. He's wrong about why. 100%, and he didn't say that hundred percent. That's why I say but, in theory, okay. but I do say, as a commentary, it's a funny thing to write. If I'm imagining the commentators of Shulchan Aruch, if I'm writing commentary on Shulchan Aruch, I should be saying that uh, I should be saying that I think you're, I, I should be saying his rationale is as follows.
3: So he's, elsewhere, I don't know where, right, he's either saying women don't make the brachalu love
0: or saying a more general statement about women don't make brachah. And he's not going to say, I agree. He's going to say, I disagree. That's, that's correct. That. He will. The Ramah's going to comment on what Ramah's going to comment on. He, he will. So that's a, like, so it's, Yes, it doesn't take it as far as, as, as I want it to go, but, it, but it's a beginning. Uh, here's, here's what brings it a step further. What brings it a step further, just a step further, is source number 11. Source number 11 is a book written by, well-known in the yeshiva circles as the Briskerov. Rav. His name was Rab Velvel Soloveitchik. He was the son of the famous Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik. <coughs> I mentioned earlier in the class, my father's Rabbi, Rabbi Soloveitchik from Yeshiva University. This is his uncle. In his book, he quotes from Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik, so I'm gonna fill all the Salvechiks in this class. We talked about Professor Chaim Salvechik, now we're gonna talk about Rabbi Chaim Salvechik, his great-grandfather, his great-great his great-grandfather. So his great-grandfather, Rabbi Chaim Salvechik, apparently, as per his son, made the following claim. You wanna know why women make Bekota Torah? Because the Bekota Torah, I'll tell you first my words and then his words, are not on the Torah as a mitzvah, but rather the Torah as an entity. What do I mean by an entity? The same way if I see lightning, I make a beracha, not because it's a mitzvah to see lightning, but because it's an amazing thing. Lightning reminds me of God's greatness. So too Torah is beautiful. It's berkat ha to God, praising the entity, the concept of Torah. Women as well are part of that entity. It's a beautiful interpretation. His words in classic, terminology terminologies on the hefzashil Torah, on the object of Torah. Very nice interpretation. You want to know the only deficiency? It's not the reason. It's not what Shohan Aruch told us. So it's nice. You can give your own interpretations. But amazingly, again, he's not writing it on Haram Bab. No, it's, it's in the book on Haram Bab. But it's not on Haram, Haram Bab. doesn't mention that women say the Torah. It's actually that, on the uh, Gemara and Yeah. On a perfect 100 uh, uh,
1: carat diamond.
0: No. Well, Separate question. No. <laughs> but, but, but that was
1: also created but, by Hashem. True,
0: true. All right. That's so, so a nice conversation to be had. When we learn that Achot Nundal, we'll discuss okay. it. Yeah.
2: Is, there, is there an element, though, to this particular issue of everybody sort of knows what actually happens, and then it's just a question of what's the rationale?
0: So, again, what you're pointing out is similar to what Itai is saying, is that these examples that I'm going to be giving you aren't going to sufficiently bring you to what I was stating earlier. In other words, what I was saying earlier is, whether that's what he meant or not, this is my interpretation to it. Over here, we're going to end in the same place. We're just questioning what the reasoning is. Is that where your point is?
2: But also, just on this particular issue there probably, I'm going to assume, was at the time no difference in practice right. in know, the combination of Yisrael in terms of women were saying, right. So the question only was one of why, why? on what basis, because there's, a, a, there's obviously a, 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 underlying problem that needs to be solved to mm-hmm. explain why they are allowed to mm-hmm. do it. And then you have a number of different reasons. But it's not actually Psaq Halakha because not, the
0: Halakha was established. Correct. What, These what, will not go far enough to change but Halakha. But that's what makes correct. the, 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 the Shulchan Aruch
3: amazing <laughs> in the sense that the Shulchan Aruch... It's like no one disagrees with the Shulchan Aruch. They disagree with Bet Yosef. So... How he, how he, or how he's interpreting, but because I, again, I he's saying it's not point. one of the three, it's a different, right? Yep. So he's writing his own bit Yosef. That's
0: okay. I, I agree. That's what, that's, that's what is right. developing. Okay. But, but Dori, the what, what Joey and Itai are pointing out is that these examples that I'm bringing, my specific examples, are not bringing us that far. The Aruch and the Orgadol, they were stating that's what we can do. I'm not giving you examples say, that what, far. What can we
3: right. do?
0: That that you can reinterpret the words of Shohan Aruch, quote unquote, halachically against Beit Bet- Yosef, against Bet Yosef, yeah, but differently from Bet- but no, but they against. but they
3: are different against
0: just as examples you gave. No, these so are against. different in terms of the logic, in terms of the rationale, no, the in terms of the reasoning, not in no terms no. of the halacha. Right. The, the next example, very much related, is is again it's it's in the methodology on the same point, but it's in terms of. Uh, even if I were to give you a class uh, how could I give a class and talk conceptually about the words of Shohan Aruch? this will not change the words of of the Halakha it will well if you hang with me you'll see it won't add up at least in my opinion in terms of logically pinning in pegging in the words of Bet Yosef and to interpretation of Shohan Aruch. And what I mean is the following. Here, back in source number 8, Shohan Aruch has not only that law, but of course many other laws, Gimala and Dalit. First he writes, a person who writes Divrei Torah, even though he's not reading them, he needs to say Bekatah Torah. So you wake up in the morning, you had an amazing dream, you had a Hidush, like Jack I'm sure does, and you decide you want to write it down. So are you allowed Mm -hmm. to write it down without Mm -hmm. saying bakota Torah? Absolutely not. You have to say Bakota Torah first. Okay. Saif Dalit. If you're meharhir, you're thinking words of Torah, you don't need to make Biquot Torah. The obvious and, and apparent question is, well, what's the difference between writing and thinking? Why is writing more severe than thinking? We actually, like the Gemara in Bera what is it, Daf Yotet, Daf Kaf, that Hirhur Kadiburdame. We generally speaking assume that thinking is almost as if you're speaking. So all of a sudden over here, writing is more significant, is more severe with regards to Bekotat Torah than permanent. thinking. Right. More so, Interesting, but so what? Who said this is based on permanency? Well, Bet Yosef himself gives us the sourcing. In in in, in Saif Gimal, in source number nine, he quotes from Rabbi David uh, Abudaram that if you're going to write the words of Torah, you need to make the before beforehand. Saif Dalit. He writes: How do you know that you don't need to make Birkot Torah when you're thinking it? And I don't care for the moment to get into the depth of this. I do care who the author of this opinion is. It's none other than Agur. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so Agur in Saif Dalid is the opinion who maintains that when I think words of Torah, I don't need to make Berkota Torah. Okay, so let's just keep that stored for a moment. Here is what Rabbi Salvechik alav Hashalom interpreted to the difference between writing words of Torah and thinking words of Torah. He said, do you know what my grandfather said the reason for saying Bekota Torah is? What's the reason for saying Bekota Torah? Because the beracha on Torah is on the entity of Torah. And as a result, it's more substantive, there's something being done when I write something down, that's an entity, as opposed to when it's a fleeting thought, when it's something that's not material, that's not a chifzah Torah, that's not an entity of Torah in the same way. It's a nice logic, it's a good suggestion, here's the problem in my opinion with it. If we were <coughs> to trace back, what was the reasoning, what was the reason that his grandfather claimed that Berkot Torah are, to be, are to be understood as beracha not on the mitzvah, but on the entity of Torah. What, what was this? Where did he come to? Or had he come to it in that way? He said, why do women say Berkot Torah? What was the answer? It must be because they're making Berkot Torah on the entity of Torah, right? What did we point out a minute ago? That Bet Yosef himself quoted from Agur, who didn't give that explanation. He gave three different ex- explanations. Now, to interpret the words of Agur himself, who says that when you're thinking words of Torah, you don't need to say Birkota Torah. I think that you can't now take the approach of the concept of Birkota Torah is only on the entity of Torah when he clearly doesn't maintain such an approach. He would have said that as to why women, had he had such an approach. So it's, it seems as if, and as a matter of fact, when I was a young man of 19 years old, in source number 12, in these written shiurim of Rabbi Salvechik on Tisha'a Be'av, I saw it this morning when I was typing this class. I had a footnote on this. I remembered thinking this. I wrote it's in Hebrew, it seems inconsistent. Agur himself, and I, I had this as a question on Rabbi Salvechik. In my now 2024 self, I actually very much appreciate this interpretation because I think what Rabbi Salvechik said is, I don't I don't care to the extent that it's going to change my halachic perspective. Of course, the law is not changing over here. Perspective as to what the rationale of Shohanaruch or Yosef Karo himself was. What matters to me are the words on the page in Siman Mem Zayin and Shohan Aruch. The words on the page are number one. You don't make a beracham hirhur, thoughts of Torah. Number two, you do, if you're a woman, make berkotah Torah. Let me interpret those words. What would even let you interpret those words? Where are they coming from? They're coming from Agur, what does he write? That's not my issue. My issue is, why do women say berkotah Torah? I'll suggest it's because they make it on the entity of Torah. Not the reason that Bet Yosef said, not the reason of the initial, inten- and the initial intention of the writer. That's not significant to me. And so much so that I'll go backwards in Saif Dalid as well and suggest that's why when you think words of Torah, it's, but you can't make such a claim. You can't make such a claim because the very author of Saif Dalid is the same one as Saif Yo'dalid, Agur, and he clearly doesn't maintain such a concept and thought. My suggestion, in short, to summarize with regards to Shuhanaruch in contrast to um, what maybe his, what clearly his intention was, what Sima told us, in contrast to shohanaruch not being used as an independent halachic work or halachic words, it very much is a written word of halakha work to the extent, and here's my punchline on this, that you might recall I told you in the earlier stages that maharal bemoaned the fact, that people are determining law from shulchan aruch. Shouldn't they be determining the law with their own creative capacities? Shouldn't they be determining it even if they're potentially making mistakes on their own? Isn't that how halacha works? My ironic suggestion today is that if you open Shulchan Aruch and study everything else and then use Shulchan Aruch as part of that determination, you're fulfilling that exactly. In other words, what Rabbi Salvechik did, what they did, Maharal would be very happy about. He just never imagined Shulchan Aruch would be used in such a fashion. It wasn't the initial objective of the book. That's, that's the suggestion. So the suggestion, yes, Jack, you claim, and properly so, that I never would have let you think any differently, but generally speaking, if a person were to be asked, what is Shulchan Aruch, they would say to you, it's a book written with the expressed intention spelled out by the author to be Yosef Karo, and that's how it's to be determined in the Hachamov type of fashion, and that might make sense. It seems to me historically we haven't necessarily always done that, it seems to me further that we need not do that. It can and should be accepted as part of this corpus of written words of halacha. The last part of this class, I'd just like to bring to your attention. I'm in the midst of reading and finishing this book on Hafez Chaim. Havetz Chaim, a major authority in Ashkenazic thought, but in the Sephardic world as well, Rabbi Israel Meir HaKohen, uh, he wrote a book called Mishnah Berura. Mishnah Berura is a widely used and significant book so much so that Chacham Vadya Yosef some several decades ago was asked and fulfilled this to write a Sephardic uh, not rebuttal but uh, so to speak uh, uh, explanation to what the Sephardic approach would be at the very least in Hilchot Shabbat he wrote a book called Livyat Chin aside from everything else he wrote he wrote one book as a commentary on Mishnah Berura, Sephardic so commentary called Livyat It's such a significant book to that extent that the Yeshivat Kisera Hamim, that's Rabbi Mazuz's Yeshiva, you can't imagine there's such Sfaradim Tehorim there to the extent that everything they write and the way they think and their Derech is all Sfaradi and yet their claim to fame certainly in today's day and age is that they have a set of Shoha, Shohan Aruch with Mishnah Berura and the commentary on the side. Mishnah is very much widely accepted in Ash- because it's a collection of poskim on Shohan Aruch and as such should be accepted by all. The question that I had and as I was reading this book was inspired to think is how has the acceptance of Mishnah generally speaking, been, uh, been been felt and held? Did Mishnah claim a place so much so i said in the sephardic and ashkenazic world to the extent that it's so to speak canonized has it become written words of halacha now it's hard to say that you're going to find an intention of he spells out pretty much what he means it's hard to claim although there's plenty on this hard to claim you're going to have a significant conversation about what did he mean over here i think this I don't. That's not where I want to go. What I'd like to talk about is the following. What is the a strength of his authority? Is his authority just one interpretation to Shochan Aruch as opposed to another? So in source number thirteen, a famous statement of Hazon Ish is that we have, uh, Mr. Salama, we have uh, our own Hora'am Mikubelit. We have something like it, which is akin to Sanhedrin beLishkata Gazit. It's three at least three major authorities. Who are they? Bet Yosef, of course. Magen Abraham and Mishnah Berurah. Can you imagine a book written less than 100 years ago already became canonized and authoritative in the eyes of a very, a, a very a wide-shouldered um, individual like Hazonish in source number 13, to the extent that his words are very much binding and very much significant. But here's the interesting part. What if, well, let me spell it out for you. In source number 14, it's a book called Avi Ezri. Avi Ezri was written by Rav Shach. He was the head of Panovich Yeshiva for many years. Lots to be said about him. In his book here, in Hilchot Hanukkah, he's dealing with the following. I'll briefly tell you, it's not the significant part. He's dealing with the following. You're on, let's say, the third night of Hanukkah, and you realize that you won't have enough candles. Uh, to be able to keep up with three tonight and four tomorrow night and five the next night, etc. Or alternatively, let's make it easier. You're on the last night of Hanukkah. You're on night eight of Hanukkah. How many candles, if I only have seven, should I light? Should I light seven or just one? Indeed, Jack, Chacham Vadya Yosef writes in his Hazon of Vadyah, just one. What's the logic to say just one? Well, the whole idea of the eight is it's a hidur because it shows what night it is. If I'm not showing what night it is, so it's silly to light seven. If anything, it's more confusing. That is a debate, that's a question. Should I light seven or should I light one? Now, In Avi Ezri, he writes the following. He says, I read in a book, an important book called Betalevi. HaLevi, would you know it? I got another Soloveitchik into this. I got us a generation even earlier, the first Rabbi Yosef Dov, or the earlier Rabbi Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, the Rabbi of Slotsk, in his book Betalevi, HaLevi, he has a passage on Hanukkah at the end of his book, Al HaTorah, in which his statement is, like Jack said, like lalacha, just one. in that situation, you don't have enough candles, just one. Says Avi Ezri, without getting into the nitty-gritty of it, he says nonsense. His words are Pashut, shouldn't say shefot, his final words in source number 14. It's simple that that's wrong. Of course it's wrong. You light as many as you can. There's a hidur, and it basically it's it's a vision, it's, it's a perspective difference in, is there a hidur just in having many candles? Is it specifically the number? Not my issue, but that's his Pesach, seems like. Uh, certainly in his, his book on Harambam, he determines, he says, you absolutely should light as many candles as you have, even if you don't have the full amount. So Mishnah Berura, in source number 15, writes in the name of Haye Adam, if you're in such a predicament, that situation, how many should you light? Just one. In source number 16, I read recently an article, this isn't in that same book, but I read an article uh, which records many different anecdotal things related to, and occurrences related to Mishnah Berura. And it says that someone asked Rav Shach this question. They said, we read in your book that you said you should certainly light seven candles when you have only seven on light, night number eight. You said against Bet HaLevi. He said, yes, absolutely. They said, but Mishnah Barura says you should only light one. He said, I never told you not to light one. So well, what do you mean? You wrote in your book that we should light seven. I never told you to go against Mishnah Berurah. In other words, fascinatingly, the canonized status of Mishnah Berurah has risen to the extent that his words are so strong that, so to speak, even if I disagree with them, his written words are, 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 are recorded and, and and there to be. That's oh, very significant. He goes further, this this article that I read in source number 16. I have several examples of this. I think I've mentioned one. I'll mention two now, and we'll mention the one that he... I I was told by one of my rabbis, by Rabbi Chaim Ilsen, that he heard from one of his rabbis, Rabbi Yisrael Zev Gustman, that when he, Rabbi Gustman, visited the Hafez Hayim in his youth, he realized that the Hafez Hayim had tucked in his sitziot. He didn't have them hanging as as he ties her out. He didn't have it like that. Now, what's significant is that in his book, Mishnah Brerah, he quotes from again Abraham and has his own soliloquy of sorts in which he's very harsh on those who tuck in their tzitziot. His understanding of Ur Itemoto, the obligation of tzitzit, is that you see it, you see it at all times. Yetalet katan, we're talking about, as the question was, how is he himself sticking them in? Rabbi Ilson said that Rav Guzman remembered, I didn't have the chutzpah to ask him, but I only wish that I did. That's a fascinating thing. It means that you have an action of a person which runs contrary to their words that were written. What are you to do in such a situation? How would you determine the law? Another example that I remember once seeing in the book of the Hafiz Hayim's son, He remembers and records that he heard his father tell his mother that she's not obligated in daily tefillah. She's involved in raising the children, she's not obligated in daily tefillah. If you open to the words of Mishnah Ruran, hilchot tefillah, he's clear. And precise, women are obligated in daily tefillah, a utter and and, and stark seeming contradiction. Lastly, among many others, um, is uh, the question of what's the berachat to say and what's called compote. Compote in the Ashkenazic world, if I understand correctly, is boiled, something like boiled fruit. Boiled fruit, indeed. Uh, it sounds Campot. is compote, is that what people call it? Yeah. That's the American version? Uh huh. Okay. Is that the Assyrian? What What do the Lebanese call it? Anyway. So, so it, the question is the question is whether whether you consider that to be uh, something that is uh, seen as separate from the meal or not. As he, 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 apparently, he writes that in Mishnah Berurah in Siman Kof Ayin Saif Katan Dalid, he says that you need to make a beracha on it. You envision it as being separate from the meal, even though it's cooked fruits, it's fruits, and as a result, it has its own beracha. However, what apparently is well known is that Mishnah Berurah himself, acted differently, or at least was seen acting differently. In all of these and many other examples, the question is, What are we? Let's say you yourself spoke to him, you yourself saw it and verified that he has a different approach to this. What should you practice? Should you practice what Hafez Haim thinks? Or should you practice what Hafez Haim wrote? The claim of this author, author of Rabbi Schwartz here in source number 16 is that the words of Mishnah Berra seem to have become, at least in his mind, so much written words of Halakha that their words speak louder than the actual either retraction or different opinion of their author. These, among many other examples, are fascinating to me. In that book, HaFetz Chaim, written by Rabbi Dov Eliach, he's got more than one passage in which he uses those magical words. Everybody knows that Mishnah B'Rah was written with... Ruach HaKodesh that's a fascinating thing again for me that's very he even has a funny story in there it's in this article as well he says that once he wrote the book when people came to ask him questions he said that's a great question we should open a book to find that and he would open his book it's almost as if his book in his own mind and in the collective communal national vision has become more significant or the significant part of his legacy it's not what he actually thought it's not what he actually practiced Practice. But isn't that him? No. Mishnah has as written words of halakha, are significant in it of themselves to the exclusion of, so to speak, what he thought, or what he did, or what he instructed, Baal pe. To summarize, in this eighth, uh, this eighth portion of the written words of halacha, we suggested first and foremost with regards to Shulchan Aruch, quite contrary to his initial intention that you only follow his words based on what he meant, and he spelled out exactly what he meant, contrary to, Aruch, to Harambam's Mishneh Torah, it seems clear to me that at least many, maybe not all, over the course of time, and continuously, at the very least, there's validity to doing so, have used even Shulchan Aruch as written words of Halakha. As Dori said, there's an there's, there's a, there's, there's a exciting part to that, there's a part that gives a certain relevancy to it, um, but it certainly seems clear to me that against his own intentions, against the warnings of so many others, that seems to have developed and become a mode or the mode of halachic decision making. It's not to say that we, per se, and this is very much in line with Hacham Vadya on this point, will go against Shohan Aruch. We won't say, uh, to heck with the Mona Lisa, I'll look at this instead. No, it is. It's a work of art. I'm going to spend time within the context <clears throat> and structure of this. Uh, work of art, uh, determining the law. And then secondly, relatedly, but not in the same way, with the words of Mishnah Barurah understood and suggested by means of anecdotes more than anything else and understandings as, uh, as, as our nation continues to grow into age post Mishnah uh, Barurah's composition uh, some over a hundred years ago. Uh, there's, there's a general uh, direction starting with Hazonish in saying that his words are like the Sanhedrin in Lishkat HaGazit, that these words have a significance in it of themselves. What he thought, not so significant. What his logic was, well, I don't like the logic of Beta Levi, says the Rav Shach, but the words of Mishnah Bura, I absolutely accept those, because written words of Halakha, above and there's a particular irony of course to that as well above and beyond the oral interpretation beyond as well the expression and even action of those who wrote them have this life of their own they have this magical life of their own in being these written words of halacha, and that magical life it gives them this enduring nature, this nature that gives them a, a continued significance. Because you and I, if we're honest and authentic in our approach of it, can suggest an interpretation to Shohan Aruch that is somewhat novel, that, is, that takes away from that closed, emet vikayam la'ad. It keeps it k'ayam la'ad, eternal, because we can constantly interpret it. It takes it away from being ironclad in the respect that it's, it's, it's not movable.